We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm up your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hello, CMOS girlies. Welcome back to your favorite little podcast. It's a Tuesday for you. It's a Monday night for us. Um, I am just nourished from eating my first, what uh, will, what will be my first Japanese sweet potato of the season. Um, I'm so excited about fall vegetables. I texted my mom, just ate a Japanese sweet potato. I am so excited for fall veggies. And she responded just KK. So clearly my mom's not on her fall veggie train, even though she loves her veggies. I'm, I was shocked by her response, but how are you doing over there? Any fall moves you've been making? Um, no fall moves. I'm jealous of your sweet potato. I've been craving sweet potatoes, but it's been too hot. And I like really was craving a sweet potato like last week while I was at my boyfriend's and he was like, Emma, it's too hot. I'm not letting you turn on the oven. I was like, okay, fair. Um, but kind of getting on the sweet potato train. I, there's a podcast that Kate and I listened to called, um, how long gone. They had Suki Waterhouse on and for people who don't know, she's like a model. She's a singer. Also, she has like one song. I think that went viral on TikTok called like good looking or something. Um, but she was talking about food on the episode and she has a very interesting combination that is like low-key kind of like a sea moss girly sleigh she takes like a sweet potato that she roasts and then she puts cottage cheese and i think like canned tuna on it and perhaps like hot sauce or something else it sounds awful but like also really good and i think i need to try it out so tbd on on that one i'll give the sea moss girlies my first my first take my hot review once it maybe gets a little bit cooler out and I have time to wait around for a sweet potato to bake in the oven. Yeah. I mean, I'm microwave gang over here. I know that you're an oven girl. So yeah, I'm, I'm on my sweet potato train now, but that brings me to a meme that I posted, I think yesterday, which I said, um, if you had an air one smoothie collab of your dreams, what would it be? Now I mainly posted this for selfish reasons. Um, one, the founder of air one follows me on my personal Instagram and we DM occasionally. He invited me to an event and I said, 
I live in New York, but thank you. Best of luck. Love your work. <laughs> I like, think I did. I said that. But uh, so I posted the meme for selfish reasons, hoping that some Air One homies will see it because I think we should have a Seamus Gurley smoothie collab. You know, we are a small little corner of the internet, but I feel we have a mighty, uh, you know, a mighty connection to that world and we deserve a smoothie collab. But I was really intrigued by people's comments as well. And I don't know, Emma, if you had any ideas or if any of the comments that people left, left on the meme you enjoyed. I, I'll go look at them now. I honestly haven't even looked at the responses, but I honestly feel like we do totally deserve a Seamus release smoothie collab um yeah we got some like some of the brands that they have collaborated with I'm like we have more followers we have greater engagement yeah. when I was there in the beef liver one I was like this brand is not that popular I had 64 um, comments Miley Cyrus lol Jennifer um, Coolidge Azealia Banks Gwyneth Snoop Dogg would be kind of iconic yeah um, I didn't even know Snoop Dogg has an entire show on Animal Planet now where he just like annotates not annotates but speaks upon like animals doing stuff while he's stoned I didn't realize it was a whole show. Someone said pass that puss and Jake Shane, obviously. I do think that Jake Shane has seen our memes because his roommate Brett follows us and follows like my, I've DM'd her before because she's a runner girly and I think she's so cute. Um, So I bet pass that puss has seen a Seamus girlies meme before. If not, Julia Banks is really funny. Yeah. People said Lana Del Rey too, which I thought was funny because like, Lana has been literally first of all guys I'm seeing Lana in, in uh, like a month under a month oh my god I'm gonna lose my mind but she's just been posting up working full shifts at the Waffle House and she's going on her little which this is like not uh, this is an internet meme someone said it was her confederate tour because she announced a random as fuck tour where it's like only places in the south and it's like all it's this month I think it's before her October 1st all things go festival and I texted one of my friends I was like you know what we should just go to Kentucky like nothing against you guys Kentucky but like we should just go even though we're have no familiarity with anything down there just to see Lana and then go to a Waffle House and I bet she'd be working there. But if Lana did an Air One thing, I feel like it would be like so camp. I don't know what someone said Diet Coke in the comments, which like maybe a Olipop Diet Coke could be in there, like a vintage cola moment. Yeah, like a vintage cola slushy or something with sea moss gel in it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's quite wild. I mean, I know people hate on the smoothies and also love the smoothies. Like they use so much like coconut cream and like they use that was a comment we got and they use so much like um, what's the other ingredient they always use a lot of. I have no idea. I don't know. To Air One smoothies. Um, I'll always make a meme about you. You got a place in my heart. Um, I've never even consumed one every time I've just gone there and gone to the hot bar. So I'll get the smoothie next time I find myself in L.A. Um, Emma, you have any other notes? um not anything else really crazy it's fashion week so i'm busy with market doing my little fashion thing and then i signed up for a swim meet which i'm really stoked about the boys and i are going upstate to kingston new york for a short course meet out of random ymca and i think it's going to be a really goofy experience we're going to like all spend the night at a motel and probably like go out for dinner and get drinks before but or the night before i'm swimming the 100 breaststroke the 50 fly 100 im and 200 im so that is something for me to look forward to and kind of train towards, even though I feel like right now for me with like training and swimming, I'm like kind of at my peak. So it doesn't really require much, but I'm definitely excited to see where I'm at, <clears throat> especially because I primarily train in a short course pool. And when I did the long course meet, that was sort of a jarring experience just because a, that was my first meet in like, who knows how many years. And also like doing a long course meet without training in a long course pool is just like a very 
interesting experience for the swimmers who get it um so yeah i have that going going for me which i'm really stoked about yeah everyone say a prayer and say good wishes for emma <clears throat> that'll be super exciting i feel like just adult life and you and i've said this before like when you're not in school like you kind of have to create arbitrary like things in the future to be excited for or otherwise life yeah. is the truman show and it kind of drags on um so that's exciting i have my marathon in eight weeks um so it's coming up for me as well which brings me to my next point which is running albums um if you're a runner and you have to run distance i highly suggest you just listen to an album oftentimes when you're listening to a running playlist like it is chaotic switching between songs and then getting the cadence back and so most of the time if it's a good artist and they're producing an album they will make sure each song kind of flows between each other and so i think that's a good way to tackle like a two-hour run that you might have if you're training for a marathon or something so let me know any albums you have i was listening to the olivia rodrigo album there's a few hard skips on that album for me like there's a few bangers and some of them i'm like i don't love this song um but i still think it was a good album to listen to also james blake i really enjoyed running to him because it's so like experimental that you can just kind of float around um and then somehow even though everyone hated on like the travis scott album i like a few songs on there and i think it is pretty good for running um kind of the way that he combines alternative stuff with the rap i think it's like kind of perfect for being in that zone two cardio but who knows i don't like really stand travis scott any major way besides just like his most recent thing um so those are my running albums but please let me know any ones you might have that i should go run to yeah, I don't have any recommendations. It's, like, very interesting that, like, with swimming, you obviously don't listen to music and you think you would, like, go insane. But I honestly just feel like I black out the entire time. Yeah. Um, they, do they ever make pools that would have, like, speakers? Like, I'm I feeling- swimming and training when I was younger and, like, some of the pools would have, like, underwater speakers. But, like, you can still barely hear it and you're, right, like, so right. focused on your technique and just, like, not fucking dying that you barely even are registering that you're right. hearing stuff. Yeah. Um, but I'm kind of glad that I can't listen to music when I swim because, like, I need to not be around my phone or have anything in my ears so it's like my good little analog moment of the day yeah no it's good to have something you do without any distraction and music like I think for me with running I'll go periods of like 20 minutes of the run when I don't have music and especially when it rains outside and especially when it's humid as hell my phone has been so disgustingly like sweaty and greasy that I haven't been touching it so that is me trying to lower my insane screen time but today's episode is all about hunger cues. Um, this pod episode is kind of related to hormones. It's kind of related to like eating disorder recovery, but we hadn't done a specific episode on this and I figured it would be relevant for the girlies. We all can hear some good reminders and like think about our own relationship with food, I guess. Yeah. And I know we did a recent hormone, the happy hormones episode that you guys enjoyed. So this is kind of on the same, same train as that. And of course, there's probably going to be some eating disorder talk and whether you have experience in eating disorder or not. I'm sure you have had some sort of experiences with either trying to figure out your hunger cues or maybe you've had something in your life that has disrupted them. So I think everyone will be able to walk away with something hopefully helpful from from the pod. Yeah, we hope to provide some knowledge. I will call you back and then we will get into it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Our next partner is a product that Emma and I take every single day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to find a greens powder that actually blended together. The taste is hands down the best greens powder I've been able to find. It even has a mild tropical taste and you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, adaptogens, you name it. For me, I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. I've always known that taking a greens powder is a great addition to one's wellness routine, but I could just never get past the unpleasant taste. This completely changed once I started taking Athletic Greens. It tastes so good that I actually look forward to drinking it every morning, something I never knew was possible. Plus, Athletic Greens contains dairy-free probiotics, and let me tell you, my digestion has never been better. Another thing that Emma and I love is that it's the one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go visit athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Okay, CMOS girlies, let's get into the episode on hunger cues and hunger hormones. So we're going to start off by talking about hunger hormones. These are things that you likely have heard in other health and wellness podcasts, but we have two main ones, ghrelin and leptin. So ghrelin is the hunger hormone, and this one is what it basically directly stimulates the need for us to eat and it's going to be released from the stomach and it signals our brain essentially like, Hey, it's time to eat. And it'll be released when the stomach is empty. Or if you've gone for a long, a prolonged period of time without eating. So like, let's say maybe more than five or six hours, this will obviously vary by individual. And those who are actually anorexic or underweight actually have elevated ghrelin levels versus those who are obese. And this is largely believed to be a mechanism to simulate food intake and body weight gain, which kind of makes sense just from like a survival standpoint, just to like ensure that your body can maintain healthy body fat. But those who are obese, even though they have lower levels of of ghrelin in their blood, they might be more sensitive to the effects of ghrelin, which can kind of maybe explain why perhaps they might be eating more versus others. And I think it's interesting because I feel like when I was anorexic, like I was very good at ignoring my hunger cues and that obviously disrupted everything in my body. But so like, even though I probably had elevated ghrelin, cause that was like a sign for my body, like, Hey, you need to eat. So we're going to elevate this. I still never fully felt those effects as heavily as maybe like other individuals. And those who go through eating disorder recovery and experience this like refeeding stage, which I'm sure a lot of people have experienced if you have gone through proper treatment, is that you actually end up seeing like a decrease in ghrelin over time because now your body is finally getting like healthy fat stores. And this is why it can be really, really difficult for people who are anorexic to struggle with gaining weight and why it might take a much longer period of time than like 
you would likely suspect. Like I know for me, it took a really, really long time. And granted that was probably for other factors, but I do assume it was largely because my ghrelin levels did decrease as I started to eat more and more. But obviously we're each going to experience the effects of ghrelin differently. And some people might even experience increased ghrelin after they eat versus someone else. And it might even totally be dependent on like type of food you eat and like other lifestyle factors as well. And then we have leptin, which is going to be the appetite suppressor. And this actually plays a far greater role in energy balance from the research. And this is made by fat cells. It signals to the brain that like the body has plenty of energy stores. And this main role is really to maintain the fat stores that live in the body. And like the ideal feedback with leptin to the brain is that like it should signal some sense of fullness. So you kind of know when you should stop eating and diet and exercises are going to lower leptin, which may actually increase hunger, which is why it can be very difficult for some individuals to lose weight if that's something that they feel that they need to do. But like generally speaking, the more fat you have, the more leptin will be in your blood and like eating and hungers in general, kind of like overarching for this podcast episode is like so important that the nerve cells of appetite are located in the hypothalamus region of the brain. So like, I think when we talk a lot about dieting and like willpower and like, oh my God, I like, for some reason, just like can't avoid the box of cookies in the fridge or, oh my God, I feel like I ate so much after like, you know, not eating for a long time. Like, why can't I just like have that willpower? It's not so much willpower. It's definitely far more like a biological drive to eat. And obviously like eating is so essential for like human survival. And like, we would all be dead if we weren't eating. Um, so this is just kind of like, yeah, to kind of give you an idea of like, what is like triggering that sense of like hunger and fullness in the body. And it's all hormone related. And that's why it's like really, really important to ensure that like all of your hormones are all aligned and like all intact and like at healthy levels, because otherwise you are going to experience varying health issues related to body weight, hunger, et cetera. And then kind of talking about like hunger cues versus cravings. This is something that I had a lot of conversations about when I went through nutritional therapy with my nutritional therapist and kind of determining what's the difference, especially for people who don't have great hunger signals from chronically dieting. You may not really experience like those physical feelings of hunger and like you might have to rely on external cues. And some people it's like really murky between whether they're actually hungry or if it's just a craving. And so hunger signals are going to likely come from internal triggers and like hunger can look very different from many different people. So it can look like a rumbling stomach, low blood sugar, feeling nauseous or anxious, um, dizzy, sleepy, stomach pain. This is one that I actually frequently experience and it's like very unpleasant. And obviously just like the growling stomach. I think for me, I still sometimes struggle with like feeling those like real true hunger cues of like, oh, my stomach feels like it's grumbling and growling. And so I know usually if my stomach kind of hurts or if I feel like I have like really crazy brain fog or fatigue, and then also just like anxiety, those are usually my signals that like, Hey, you should probably eat something. Um, and like with hunger, we're not really going to be desiring a specific type of food. It's going to be rather just like a range and just like, I need calories. Um, and hunger is usually experienced after long hours without food and symptoms pass pretty much immediately after some type of food intake, but the hunger may come back again if you didn't eat enough at that current sitting of whatever it is that you ate. And if someone who does struggle with knowing hunger cues, there's a really, really good book called like intuitive eating that I read when I was going through recovery and that like really, really helped me a with like tapping into intuitive eating and like, not like the cringe TikTok way, but they also talked a lot about like the different signs from your body that you should think about or 
you can like look at when you maybe are trying to redevelop those hunger cues and like you can kind of ask yourself okay like what did my stomach used to feel like when I last felt hungry and you can kind of like use those memories as like a way to kind of guide you but then kind of when you are talking about cravings these are going to be more from like either internal or external factors or triggers and they're going to be mostly head driven and triggered by like mood or environment and these head driven um triggers are likely going to be psychological triggers so like boredom lonely sad anxious i'm sure we all have experienced some type of like food that was food craving that was triggered by one of these experiences or moods and cravings are going to be for like a very specific food or texture whether it's like sweets or pizza burgers whatever and the craving or like the urge to eat that specific food is going to feel very sudden so it's kind of like you want to rate that and rate that in there and cravings can intensify if you have like chronically restricted a particular food group or type of food. And that's why a lot of people end up like kind of binging on these type of foods once they allow themselves to have those cravings. And cravings can also stem from like a physiological response. So like maybe you're in need of glucose or you're lacking a particular nutrient. So like a lot of people who do restrict carbs end up like craving these really like carb rich, sugary, starchy foods because their body just like does not have enough like carbohydrates in their body, which is like our body's primary source of fuel. So like that is kind of why they're craving that because their body's kind of signaling like, hey, we need this in our body to function. Um, and like generally speaking, those who do try to diet to restrict um, or restrict and try to like outsmart either their hunger or their cravings, it always backfires and it usually results in binge eating. And I think like there's so much shame that an individual can feel when they do binge. And like, of course, I definitely have been there here and there with my eating disorder recovery, but kind of looking back, I wish I didn't put so much shame on myself on myself because like, it was really just like a sign to like, Hey, you really needed to eat and your body was so significantly deprived. So it's just trying to make up for all the lost fuel that it wasn't able to get. And of course, like, I'm not going to tell you like how you should go about cravings or like how you should determine if you're hungry or craving something like that's such like an individual experience, but there's so many different tools and guides and like other resources on the internet that can sort of help you. And if you're someone who like is fearful of like letting themselves eat their eat, whatever it is that you're craving, like definitely just like allow yourself to kind of eat it like as much as possible, multiple days, like throughout the week, just so it becomes like a regular food in your normal routine versus like a special treat that you only tie to like success or like if you've been like quote unquote, like good. Um, just cause I think like putting labels on food is obviously just like such a dangerous slippery slope. Yeah. Um, this is all tapping out, especially after reading this book, which I totally forgot to mention in the intro. Um, it's called What Made Maddie Run. Now, if you're like a cross-country track kid, you may have heard of it. Um, it's a very tragic story of this cross-country athlete named Maddie Holleran. She ran at UPenn and she unfortunately committed suicide right before her sophomore year. Happened like 10-ish years ago. And so there was like an article, there was a documentary about it. I finally got around to reading the book. And talks a little bit about her habits of disordered eating um, and kind of how that just disrupted her whole life. And this topic, I think it's really easy to feel like, oh, like I don't have like stable hunger cues or like, oh, I slip back and out of my eating disorder or binge eating or yo-yo dieting every now and then. But it does have serious impacts if like you don't take it seriously. And that's kind of why I hate, I think, like intuitive eating TikTok particularly, because I think there's credibility to intuitive eating and like value there. But I think a lot of times it doesn't actually hit people where they need it. And if it's hit you on TikTok and it's helped you a lot, like totally love that for you. But I feel like even the girl dinner stuff, which I mentioned before, like that got pro Anna so quickly. And I just think we take eating disorders and disordered eating habits so 
malaise on social media. We don't take it that seriously. Like we're like, oh, whatever. Everyone just kind of has a disordered eating. Like, LOL, I'm going to make a joke about it. It's like, it's pretty deathly. And like one of the biggest like deaths um, of all psychiatric disorders is, is eating disorders. And like, we should take it much more seriously, specifically just like how dieting can get people to that really unhealthy, unstable place. And so if you are someone who's kind of in that camp, the next kind of point that people wanted us to talk about is like, how can dieting disrupt these hunger cues? And like, when I think of hunger cues, I think the way that I was eating when I was like six years old, you know, I was growing into like my body. I was just intuitively eating to the best I ever could. I was eating brownies. I'd eat a snack. I would eat mealtime. Like you also, when you're really little, you don't have a sense of like mealtimes. Like you kind of know, like I'm going to eat breakfast, eat lunch, eat dinner, but you're not so rigid to know what a calorie is. You're not so rigid to know how big a meal should be. And I think that's like the most beautiful part of like what intuitive eating can look like. And I think as you get older and different societal things come in, like you kind of lose touch of your intuitive eating and dieting is one that can be so harmful and really fuck up years of your life. Like I am the biggest, like, I feel like the I really believe that as someone who always is thinking about my relationship to food and not in like a toxic way. Like as Emma said, like I've grown out of the acting on my eating disorder, but just like it lives with you forever. Like all of the dieting stuff is kind of in your head as you go forward and have to like choose to eat every single day. And so when you're dieting, like what it does to your hunger cues, basically your body doesn't know when food is coming, what type of food is coming, the quantities it's coming, and it starts to get confused. It's very natural. Like I said before, when you were a little kid that you would just feel something in your body intuitively like, oh, I'm hungry. I'm going to go eat and get that need met. And then I will move on with my day. Eating becomes such more of a regimented routine process. Once you get started with dieting, it's like, going to cut calories. I'm only good if I eat this many. I can only eat this many meals. I can't eat this type of food. I only can do this type of thing. And so your body starts to shut down internal processes to sort of conserve conserve energy. It's why women's hormones get all fucked up. It's why they lose their period. It's why the nails get brittle. All of that stuff is because dieting is just disrupting this natural state of being. It gets very tough to regain your hunger cues. And I think this is like the biggest part of Eating disorder recovery, like Emma mentioned earlier, that's pretty tough. Like, how are you going to get your hunger back? Okay, you admit that like something is wrong here in my body, but I don't know exactly what to do. I think this is a point when you are so low in the eating disorder stuff, when you are so anxious, depressed, like food gives you that anxiety and depression that you became unable to like distinguish what is physical and emotional hunger because kind of every act of eating is emotional when you're in an eating disorder, whether it's like, oh, I'm so excited to eat this food or it's like, fuck, I don't really want to eat, but I like have to eat. Everything is an emotional act. Nothing is just based on like a physical need anymore. And so if you've been dealing with dieting for an extended period, like it makes your internal signals very difficult to distinguish. And so if you're someone that has come from that past of like restricting food and you want to figure out like how to reintroduce it, I think one, you're going to need some sort of guidance. Um, It's really easy to think like, oh, I'm going to go do this healthy thing and I'm going to do this every single day. When it comes to something like food where maybe you have been not doing stuff properly for years and years, you might think, like Emma said, you have all the willpower in the world to change it. But just like scientifically and chemically in your body, it has been rewired to work a different way. And so I think, like Emma said, I definitely wish I gave myself more grace in that process to realize that like, 
okay, I am in a problem state right now, but like, I am not the problem. What I did might've been fucked up and I felt pressure to like, should I sign social media and all of that? But what is happening in my body? Like I could, even if I worked as hard as I could, I couldn't rewire myself to not make bad choices because of like how deep of a hole I'm in. So that's all to say, like, don't beat yourself up if you are trying to get off the path. Like, of restriction and stuff like it's going to be hard to get there but realize it's like bigger than just you willing your way into it which is why I would say like when it comes to that chronic dieting like even if you're someone that's like you don't feel like you're at an unhealthy weight and you don't feel like you're scared of like any health functions turning off if you have been dieting like that still is really risky to your overall metabolic health and your overall bone density overall like vitamins minerals nutrients like the stuff that you can't see so I would just like recommend that most people get help if you feel like you're in one of these camps yeah and like Kate said like redeveloping hunger cues takes such a long time and it may honestly require some sort of like professional intervention just because like when I tried the first time to go through eating sort of recovery it like wasn't really entirely with a professional and that definitely like prolonged the the journey to me recovering and that probably like fucked me up in the long run in terms of like different health um aspects of my life and like when I did see someone a professional nutritional therapist you know she gave like the whole food plan of course like I was like what the hell is this like eating like x amount of times a day was like such like a big change for me but it was like no this is like rooted in science and in data and this is like to get you back into eating on like a normal schedule and routine so your body knows when to expect food so then the ghrelin and leptin can start coming back into play and like a lot of it does require kind of breaking away from you know the different rules or the different type of tactics that you would use to that you did use to kind of silence the hunger and again like that journey and process is so individual and it's going to like take so many other people so many people like different amounts of time but there also are like so many other lifestyle habits that can disrupt your cues so even if you are someone who is healthy has a really great relationship with food like there still are other ways where like your hunger cues could go out of whack and it may be something that you're not even like intentionally doing one of those is going to be like anxiety or stress like I know some people how they respond to anxiety to stress is like eating more but for some people like that when that fight or flight response really kicks into gear like they may feel like they're gonna throw up or they might feel knots in their stomach and this might encourage them to like not eat and when we are in that like heightened chronic stress state our body does release stress hormones and it includes a particular um hormone that can suppress your appetite and then also like cardio too especially like high intensity cardio um like aerobic exercise exercise can decrease appetite by increasing peptide yy i feel like this is like thrown around in huberman lab episodes a lot And this is, of course, like just for some individuals and it's going to be, like I said, like high intensity or cycling. And so I think that even just like knowing that information can kind of like gear people down like the wrong path, but like you should still refuel and repair muscle and tissues and replenish those glycogen levels immediately after exercising, whether you're hungry or not, just so that your body can repair itself so that it can get stronger, faster, better. So it can then show up for the next workout. Um, And of course, like sleep can also impact your hunger and like different moments in your menstrual cycle can appearance your hunger. So like, it's not going to be the same every single day. And I think that's okay for people who are type A like me. Sometimes you can kind of be like, why the hell am I like not hungry today? Or why am I like so ravenous today? Like it's going to be so dependent on so many different factors that, you know, I think you kind of have to give yourself some grace if some days aren't, you know, going to look picture perfect compared to, to others. 
Yeah, I think I was reflecting on this in relation to running and something my run coach said that was like really powerful that impacted me beyond just running is that like your body doesn't really process how many miles you ran. Your body's kind of processing its time on feet and the energy exerted. And so, yes, your body does you know, process calories and it processes nutrients differently. I think like Emma said, it's really important to think about the bigger picture. If you fuck up in one moment in one part of your day as like what you think is a fuck up in your head. Cause like, I don't think you can make a good and bad choice. Like it's all just learning in my opinion, like you're learning about your body or experimenting. Um, so if you can get to a point where like you realize like I'm just making a choice and like learning from it. I feel like that's a much safer, healthier place to be in. And that's something I've not really thought about till the past six months. But I think if you're getting to that point of like, how the fuck do I trust my hunger cues again? Um, Like if maybe you're someone that's like, I think I was ravenous in the eating disorder process. Like once I started to eat again, I was like, holy shit, I could eat like 10,000 calories right now. Like why am I a small boy that has never seen food before? Um, and I think it can be scary because especially if you've come from a past of restriction, you're like, wait, my body is doing the exact opposite of what I've been training it to do, which is the good thing. But mentally, it's like tough to get through that. Uh, some of the best piece of advice I've had about food is like being mindful when you eat. I'm definitely victim to like watching random shit on my phone when I'm eating. And then I look down and my entire bowl is just like gone. And I'm like, wait, what did I just do here? Um, when you aren't conscious of what you're eating, like you're, I feel like I get to a point of not being grateful for what I'm putting in my body. Like as a health and wellness girly, like you are probably spending money on all those fancy ingredients and those fancy toppings that you're putting in your food. And to just like slurp it down without appreciating that, I'm like, damn, I wish I could slow down time. Another thing is try to have no rushing. I know a lot of people have to eat on the go in relation to like school and work and stuff like that, but try to carve out like 10 minutes, go sit on a park bench, eat your granola bar, do something quiet and like have a moment to yourself. I think even if you're the busiest person in the world, like you should be able to take five minutes to yourself to eat um, and try to sit down and enjoy that. Chewing each bite is one thing that's super corny, but people always make comments about that on like wellness podcasts and such. Like you need to sit down and chew each piece of food like 20 times. I'm not going to say you have to do that because I definitely don't do that. But if you're someone that like you know, you're having a certain food moment and you really want to nourish and like appreciate the food, like chew each damn bite you have. Um, another note about all of this that I didn't, we didn't really mention, but like, if you go on any form of medication that can alter your hunger cues. So whether that's like an antidepressant or like flu medication, just be conscious of that. And I think overall be conscious of like, what your body feels like when the hunger is disrupted. Like whenever I'm sick, I know exactly what symptoms are going to come up. Like for me, at least like my stomach just, it feels like shaky the whole day. I get like lightheaded. I kind of know what I'm like when I'm going through like weird hunger cue stuff from medication. Uh, scheduling your meals is something that is going to be really important in terms of hunger cues. I think every single dietitian, nutritionist will tell you that like when you are coming from a place of not having those eating uh, eating cues, you want to have a schedule so your body can relearn that. And I think that's mentally hard when you come from like eating so few calories a day to now to have to eat like three meals, three snacks is pretty typical for like a meal plan post eating disorder recovery. Um, just know that like you are training your body to 
be a better engine basically it might be tough in the interim you think you're going to gain all this weight you think it's like going to be the worst thing of your life but you are on a path that is going to be so much better than where you are now and I think when I was going through it I just like took the leap of faith because I was just like sick of sitting around and like wasting my life like trying to be smaller I was like okay let's just do the weight gain let's just get it done with I will eat bowls of ice cream like let's just get it done with and I think once I was able to realize that like I was on a path for a different life and the different life could be better than the current life I was living it made it a lot mentally easier for me. I know a lot of people do journaling when it comes to food. Now this can be tricky because it's like you don't want to be food obsessive and like always thinking about it. But if you're someone that like wants to be accountable that you are eating enough, um, I think it is a good thing, especially if you're working with a nutritionist or something, they will ask you to send them exactly what you're eating. And then also another thing in terms of hunger cues, like I've not done this, but um, I saw it in a few of the articles of like, writing down how hungry you felt before a meal and then after a meal because I think sometimes like the binge territory it can get there when you're like done with a meal and then time just flashes by and then you've eaten so much extra food and so if you slow it down and you're kind of like wait what am I here for I'm here to like fulfill my hunger needs which are very important needs but like what am I actually doing I think that kind of gets you back out of those like intense binge moments um and I just think when it comes to like intuitive eating because I think all of us that are recovered from eating disorder stuff like we know like I don't want to go back to feeling so low energy and feeling like shit and whatever but it really is scary to try to become an intuitive eater again because you're like wait what if I never get hungry like what if I never ever want to eat then like what is intuitive and overall if you've had a history of disordered eating um, it's going to be difficult for you to fall into that intuitive eating camp right away at least um, and the concept of intuitive eating is like these 10 different principles. It's actually like a developed theory of how you can rediscover this ability to eat naturally. Um, I push back to that a little bit. I think if you are in a very severe, like risky category, like an eating disorder patient, like I think it's unwise for any sort of practitioner to say like, go intuitively eat. If you're someone that hasn't had a huge issue with restriction, maybe that lifestyle could work for you or if like you are years down your recovery journey. But even for me, like I have certain times in my head where I'm like, okay, I have to eat lunch by this time. Like if I'm out and about and doing something, I have to plan. And that's just like what works for me, specifically now that I'm like training like an athlete as a runner. I'm like, okay, I got to eat before, got to wait 30 minutes to digest, got to eat 25 minutes after I work out. Um, now that I have that, I feel a lot less anxious about food because it's like my body knows that I'm getting food before a workout. It knows that it's getting food after. It knows the quantity. It knows how I'm going to digest it. And I think that's the best habit to get to what intuitive eating is. Like for me, I guess that is intuitive eating, but like I'm not thinking about it as intuitive. It's very programmed for me. Like I'm programming my life to have these meals in my day. Um, Another piece of advice I have about all of this is to hang out with intuitive eaters. Now that might sound just like dumb as hell, but we'd mentioned this in previous episodes. Like if you ever hang out with like a parent or something, I mean, a lot of parents have food issues. We know about the almond moms, whatever. But if you just get dinner with a group of people and it's like family style dinner and you just kind of pick up on how other people will go back for a second piece of this and go back for another drink and go back for a second dessert, like you start to realize that, oh, these people are just naturally following what food interests them. They're not doing it at any like scheduled time. They're just kind of eating to eat and they're very relaxed about it. I think every time I have like once I was in the eating disorder, like shitty period and I wanted to start social eating again, it was really scary to get in those situations because I would 
just like catch myself feeling isolated and like weird. Like when you have a food issue, you feel like everyone's looking at you. You feel like everyone is judging your food choices, but in reality, like no one fucking notices what you're doing. Um, and so when I would watch other people eat because I was so insecure about like eating that, like I would project and look at what everyone else was doing. I was always like, wow, how can this person just like freely move throughout the party, go grab a snack, go grab this. But it made me so motivated to recover because I was like, fuck, I want to be like that. I want to be at my family Thanksgiving and not feel so triggered by all this food. Um, And I think that's like a positive spin that you can have on this whole like hunger cues, intuitive eating stuff, because like Emma and I have both been there in like the shits of it and like the worst situations. But I think every piece of like advice I have that has helped me to get to recovery has just been like a positive spin of imagining what my life could be like if I allowed myself to live this way. And I think that's like a good journaling practice to have with yourself, especially around like issues of control. Just imagine sit out of like what you're currently doing imagine yourself in an entirely different way of being and just test it out or go and physically test it out for a day like test out one meal of your day when you like do something differently or like a day of eating where you try to just eat intuitively and if that means eating like so many oreos you go and do that um because i think like the more you just treat it as an experiment you'll feel a lot less of that guilt and shame that food is so empowered with um and yeah, that's kind of how I would go about, I think, like intuitive eating slash hunger cues stuff um, for the girlies. Yeah, it's so much just about like regaining trust with yourself. Because I think like a lot of people who do experience eating disorders just like have that lack of self-trust and lack of self-esteem. And like the more and more you go about having like really positive food experiences and like do start to allow yourself to eat the way that you always wish you had eaten, it just gets easier over time. And like for me, I can't even tell you like the exact day where I was like, wow, I feel like so much better now. Like it just like it's a gradual progression and it is like really beautiful to witness that like witnessing yourself recover over time and like getting through it. Kate and I talk about this a lot where it's like, you know, when we were in the depths of it, we never thought we would recover. And now that we have fully recovered, it's like such a beautiful thing. And I can't even imagine going back. So it is like really motivating once you get through the thick of it. And of course, like I think like admitting a that you have an issue and that you want to get help is like such a courageous step. And, you know, it can be scary and hard, but it's totally for the best. And I feel like if I was able to do it, Whoever's listening to maybe struggling, like you can do it. And if you relapse, it's okay. You can still get help. You're not a failure. Um, life is hard out there and like eating with like the current like social um media and like how things are online and portrayed and like all the talk on TikTok and like other podcasts. Like, yeah, it doesn't make life easy when it comes to like wanting to eat and be in your own little world. It it it's really easy for you to feel like you have to compare yourself to others. Yeah. And if you ever need to DM us, we are always there for the girlies. Um, so never feel free or never feel free. Always feel free to reach out. Never feel like you can't reach out because um, we are right there. But that's that. It's a Monday. I'm going to edit this pod and then I have a little fashion week jaunt to attend, but it's raining outside. So I'm not too excited about getting dressed. But um, that's the rest of my evening. Emma, you got any fun plans over there? Um, I need to grocery shop and then I need to steam my clothes for all the market appointments that I have tomorrow and just like pick out my outfit. Yeah. Fun, fun things as a fashion girly. Cute. I thought you were going to say steam some beets, but you know, clothes are equally as important. Maybe, maybe I'll steam some beets as well, even though I prefer to buy my beets pre-steamed. Yeah. You don't need to get your hands dyed a different color. Not, not fashion week. maybe a different week but anyways we thank you cmos girlies um leave us a you know like comment subscribe wherever you get podcasts and such and we will talk to you next week
Bye.